0: I'm Phil Mutz, VP of News and Entertainment at PureWow.
1: And I'm Dara Katz, Executive Editor at PureWow.
0: We are the hosts of And Just Like That, a Sex and the City reboot podcast.
1: Where we react, converse, spill the tea, and get carried, sorry, away on the new Sex and the City season.
0: Now is a good time to tell you that there will obviously be spoilers.
1: So join us as we revisit and relive Sex and the City.
0: Sarah, we are back and episode eight is already done. Oh my goodness.
1: I thought oh. this was episode seven. This was it's eight. Our
0: episode seven. Isn't that crazy? Because we oh, had got it. two yes. episodes dropped right at the beginning. Yeah. So you i You tell seeing... me this
1: every it's episode. It's confusing. We talk. I,
0: I'm confusing myself. I'm confusing Thank you. Thank you for giving me
1: that grace. Yes.
0: You you got it. You got it. Um, let's dive right into We have so much to talk about, and I have so many feelings that I want to talk about. Because this is my therapy. Uh, So let's start with a quick recap of what just happened this week. So Che gives a speech about living truthfully, immediately followed by a confrontation with Miranda about, you guessed it, living truthfully. Charlotte apparently still blows Harry, which leads into a not-quite-related storyline about Lily's alt-Insta. Carrie is in a brand-new three-act play involving her downstairs neighbor. Miranda (laughs) rips off the Steve Band-Aid and hops a cab to the airport to go surprise Che. And just like that, we've only got two episodes left.
1: Wow, Ooh. That hearing that back after watching the episode, Phil, I feel like that was a jam-packed episode, but it didn't feel like that while watching it necessarily.
0: Yeah, I would agree. There were a lot of events, and none of them seemed to, I guess this ties to, into my feelings about the episode, none of them seemed to provide that much forward momentum with the exception of, the Miranda stuff, which I'll we'll obviously talk about. Um uh I, I feel like my like my takeaway from this episode is that I got to see two penises, and this was still my least favorite episode of the season. I just I I'm you know that I'm the first one to be like, yeah, but this thing was so great. There were so many scenes where I was like, why are we in this scene still? That the longest and worst scene was that scene with Carrie and Seema at the beginning, where I was like, what are we even
1: talking about? I know, Phil, once again, and, and I want to welcome you to the dark side. I feel like it's kind of <laughs> I'm not, fun I'm just, to nitpick the show a little more. <laughs> You're just hopping in, have a seat, just let's for get one week. comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Take off your coat. That scene, first of all, I wrote down initially that, oh, Seema as replacement is starting to make sense Mm -hmm. because she's a single gal, she's fabulous, they're ordering takeout, she can talk fashion, and yet she's void of any personality, honestly. She just feels like she's a luxury bag walking around town, and a bag is only as expensive as expensive as what's inside of it? I just made that up. I don't think that's true. <laughs> a bag is, as, you know, she's <laughs> worth a lot. But she's flat. Very flat character.
0: Yeah, they didn't give her anything to do or everything was reactionary in this scene. There was nothing that she was adding or giving. It was just like, <laughs> oh, that dress. Oh, the neighbor's loud. Oh, you don't smoke. Like, there were just, everything was reactionary. I didn't All like any of it. That whole scene was just so long. I was watching with my boyfriend and and he turned to me at one point and went, are we still in this scene? (laughs) Yes. I don't know how.
1: It was all lead up for two things that didn't really make sense in the show. There was the lead up for the whole smoking outfit. Mm -hmm. And that was cute. Carrie's smoking outfit. like I that did would like it. That was very just, funny. Like, mm-hmm. If she had just said something quickly in the beginning, like, oh, and like, I don't want to smoke in here because all of my clothes are in here. So I kind of have to cover up to smoke. And then yeah. we see her later. And then the joke lands, you know? Right. However, then they also do the bookend. They bookend the episodes with that Versace dress, which I know you want to talk
0: about. I do. I and do.
1: it ends with, what do they say at the end? And just like that, some things never—some things you should never put into storage, or something like that. And I was like, "Wait,
0: was that the theme of what? the episode?" I was so confused by the ending. And just like that, thank you for bringing that up. Um, but also, thank you for bringing up that Versace gown because I do want to talk about it. So obviously, it comes out, and we all recognize this dress. Uh, so this was—she was wearing it in the finale episode in Paris. And she is waiting for Baryshnikov in the hotel room and falls asleep in the dress. So this is beautiful. Anybody who Googles that Versace gown is going to see that image of her spread out on the bed in the Paris Hotel. She's like
1: sleeping beauty. This is – she has her book party, right? And he doesn't come. He just like stands her up. And she doesn't go to the book party either. And it's like really depressing. (laughs) And so it's funny that – that's the dress they chose to pull out of storage.
0: Yeah, it was. I didn't really understand why that particular one, um, but I guess it made sense why she then would eat popcorn in it because it has such a strange memory for her—not a positive one. So I, right. I did look up the dress a little bit. So there, the dress is actually it is Versace, but it cost eighty thousand dollars in two thousand four. That's what it was worth so when she wore eight,
1: it. Eight zero comma zero zero zero.
0: Exactly. That is insane. Dollar sign. Dollars. Mm-hmm. So Com. that's crazy. And it almost didn't make the cut into the episode. The costume designer was pushing for it, but Michael Patrick King thought this is super impractical because how would you get this big, floofy dress into a suitcase to Paris? Like, how would you Fair possibly point. travel with this? But whatever. It made the it made the cut. We get it into the episode, and then we get it into this new episode where she is wearing it at the end. And I'm glad we at least get to see her in it. I don't know that I understood the tag at the end, but I at least (laughs) liked seeing her in that gown because it's beautiful (laughs) and she looks fabulous.
1: Yeah, I love her eating Jiffy Pop. I love Jiffy Pop, by the way. And um, did it make any sense in terms of story? I don't think so. I I mean, if you thought this had a great thematic through line please hit me up and tell me what it was because it went pfft, over my head.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I didn't even understand that this episode was about putting things in storage versus not. Like, I, I just, <laughs> I, I know. was that the theme?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So I guess what's weird about Carrie is that she should have the big ugh, overall storyline, the story arc of the whole season, right? Because she's our
0: ingenue,
1: right. our 50-year-old ingenue. Right. But the person really getting all of that heavy weight is Miranda.
0: I would agree with like, that.
1: Miranda has the whole story arc, a relationship, an ending of a relationship. She has B storylines with her son, with her son's girlfriend, with the lube, with the alcoholism, with her professor, who we don't see this episode. We don't see any of the new characters, really, this episode. Yeah, just seen that. Um, and, and then and Charlotte Jay. also has like, kind of minor things going on in in the scope of the show and so it just feels it feels out of balance I would say.
0: Yeah, it's odd because I said because that was such
1: a Chicago accent. Let me try that again. It's so out of balance.
0: <laughs> and now we're British. I don't know. Is maybe that wasn't British. Maybe it was just just the proper way to say it. I like that. Yeah. Um so I agree entirely because one of the things I wrote down was I don't care about this downstairs neighbor storyline at all. And this is Carrie's entire storyline <laughs> for this episode. So, I want to
1: see your journal, Phil, that just says <laughs> it's,
0: just, it's just angry scribbling. Only this episode. You know. You know I've been the one being like, but this magical moment. I, this wasn't a magical episode for Carrie. I do think that Carrie had a very front-loaded season where she gets the big events. And then you're right. We've kind of only she's been in the stasis where we get little like bits and starts uh, starts and what is it fits and starts starts and stops whatever no idea
1: It's a saying that flows. doesn't exist.
0: It just doesn't Tits exist. Tits and bits. That's it. Literally bits.
1: IDK. Oh, well, My I, brain hasn't worked fully since I've had a baby. Just I,
0: IDK either, and I don't have a baby, but I did just get a dog. So it's totally the same thing, Dara. Phil, totally the really same thing. quickly,
1: can we talk about the dog real quick?
0: <laughs> His name is Bubby. He's not listening to the podcast, but he's adorable. He's eight years old. Oh, we <laughs> adopted him uh, mostly just so we could brag and be like, yeah, he's a rescue. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. I have uh,
1: a dog who's a rescue. And she's gorgeous, like a model. And people like don't believe me when I say she's a rescue.
0: Well, we're going to have to exchange pictures or at the very least share them for the podcast folks out there. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. Great job
1: rescuing a pup. How noble of you.
0: So now that we both explained why we're both so tired, you being a mother and me being a dog owner. uh, So IDK, but we're jumping right back in and talking about these stupid neighbors. So this just didn't seem to me like an important storyline for her journey, which basically was like, I'm Carrie, I feel uncool, and the way I know this is that there's a really cool woman living downstairs. It, and I Ugh. I, I don't know if they were really trying to just throw this back to when like Carrie was the cool one, so now she's in this different life place. But it just didn't. It, I didn't think we needed a whole episode on it. There were so many strange things, like calling her podcast host at two thirty in the morning. Say, oh my gosh Calling
1: what's his name?
0: Jackie. Um, yeah.
1: Calling Jackie, and then we learn about Jackie, see where he lives, learn about his girlfriend, <laughs> and the schooling that she's doing, and it's like, what? And she doesn't so even things. say hi. It's Carrie. They've done this before. I did think it's funny that it's like, oh, she's calling him. That's what his grandmother does. Because like, I'm a caller. Love a call. Mm-hmm. No one likes to call these days. When I call people, they're pissed.
0: You can call me anytime you want. That's I, Please, I will answer your call. But you, it, yeah, it was an odd moment where... I actually really liked his advice where he was basically like, do you have a cool shotgun you could go downstairs with? Because if not, don't do it. Like, do not go like downstairs. Like a January
1: Jones moment like in Mad Men. <laughs>
0: yeah. this. With the will, ducks. You will absolutely be beyond uncool to go downstairs. But again, I didn't understand why this mattered. And then we had so many of those like purposeful setups so she could seem uncool. Where like she was wearing the green face mask, or she was wearing what we talked about, like those like rubber gloves with her like cigarette smoking outfit, and she runs which into the neighbor. I will argue. Mm-hmm.
1: She looked cool both times. Okay.
0: <laughs> which actually maybe circles to the end where the neighbor finally says what Carrie's been dying for the whole episode, which is like, "Thank you for being so cool." And I was like, "Oh, so this was all just so we can get to a place where the neighbor recognizes her as cool?" And does that matter? What does that even mean? There was no actual journey, but the episode journey was, I feel uncool compared to the cool neighbor, and then she called me cool. That was it. That was Carrie's story.
1: Wow. Yeah, it was boring. And to find out, like, to see Carrie's world expand in that brownstone to suddenly we got the foyer, and now we have that downstairs ginormous French door unit that's decorated Gorgeously, with just a jewelry designer from California living in there, it's just like, oh my what god, what is happening? Like, I again, almost the forgot the real though, Dara. of it is confusing.
0: Uh, thank you for bringing up that apartment downstairs because I almost forgot. Carrie breaks into her apartment. She walk full on walks into that woman's apartment, turns off her music, and looks at her mail. What? She
1: the hell? smell fraud?
0: <laughs> Why? Why is she in the apartment in the first place? I, if if they do not answer the door from your knocking, you do not go in. You do not know this person. This is New York City. You you could be you shot. Assume you assume they're dead. Things.
1: They were murdered, mm-hmm. and you do you leave it alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're okay? really that concerned, you call nine one one. Although, as the boyfriend says, <laughs> the police <laughs> <Yes>. won't come. <laughs> police and don't you know come what? Anymore. That
1: was very true. That yeah, was the most that. truthful thing that was said in this. <laughs> that was a fun moment. But the other thing is, like, she's kind of... Wit- Carrie's witnessing what Lissette, the California girl who's living downstairs, her life is like and her relationship. And she's hearing all the, like, banal, horrible shit this guy is saying to her and, like, talking down to her and then the fight that they have. But Carrie still wants to be seen as cool even though Carrie's in this place in her life where she's already worked through the assholes. So it's like, why are you... Why is cool the end game here?
0: Yeah, and I- Why are
1: you getting her brownies?
0: Blondies, I know. Well, they don't eat sugar, of course, which just annoyed me even more, whatever. But to your point, all of this was, you know, a minor storyline, even though it took up a lot of screen time, to Miranda, who actually had the forward momentum in this episode and has for a couple of episodes. She obviously has this- Interesting scene at the beginning, which I didn't even think about with her and Che, where Che says to Miranda, Oh, you're in an open marriage. And I was I it blew my mind because I just assumed everybody involved was in on cheating. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, we were down for cheating, obviously.
0: That's just what I assumed was happening. And it That's is. That's what I assumed. It, it is what's happening for Miranda. But what a <laughs> fabulous, progressive. Mindset that Che's assumption is, of course, you and your husband are in open marriage, which I just thought was so interesting. And I just hadn't thought of that as, as a starting off point for why Che would find this situation unpalatable. I know you don't like Che.
1: Were you saying that facetiously or were you saying, wow, that's so awesome that Che's that open to see I'm not, that?
0: I don't mean Che as the person. I mean, I didn't think of that argument, which is actually probably a more current thing, right? Like people have open marriages. People have different situations now that perhaps they didn't have 30 years ago that I thought it was interesting that that was the assumption going in, not the other way around, so that it isn't just Shay is this bad person who is in on cheating and is a home wrecker. Shea actually gets to take the moral high ground and be like, I'm not a homewrecker. I'm not a liar. You get your shit together, Miranda, so that Miranda has to bear the responsibility of what she's doing, which is being a, che- a cheater. And she's got to rip the bandaid off. You're shaking your head. You disagree.
1: Okay, I just want to back up a sec. Go. We're at Fake Pride. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Che's the event is. Che's doing
1: their comedy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. It's, again, not comedy. They are an activist, kind of, who, like, sexually assaults everybody through their language. <laughs> like, truly perverse diatribes, I think. I don't know why everyone's like, woo, go Che!
0: Well, also, who keeps handing Che a microphone? Every episode, Che is either in front of a podcast microphone or holding a microphone. We are – every appearance, there's a microphone. That's on them. Or stop handing Che a microphone.
1: Let's get them off a mic. That's what I loved, their outfit. Okay, I did find the opening scene with Miranda – in the crowd very funny because I don't know (laughs) if it was meant to be funny but she just looked so stupid like woo (laughs) like cheering and then she sees her son and girlfriend and then she behind another like that was funny but I'm not buying that she and Che like that Che is really looking for her in the audience
0: yeah, I'm not buying that where we, spoiler alert, get to in the episode where they both say I love you, particularly Che saying I love you to Miranda. I was like, <laughs> how? I mean, maybe, maybe we get there in life, but this feels sped up from, like, from something that's been so dragged out over the course of, like, like Carrie's mourning took 8,000 months to get to, like, okay, we can just talk about another storyline. And this one, we got to I Love You last episode, or whenever the episode was, yeah, last episode when they were having sex, from Miranda saying it, and now we're already reciprocating that. I went, this seems really fast.
1: And, okay, Phil, I just want to poke a hole in this whole Che is shocked and is suddenly the moral compass. Che is a self-righteous, narcissistic asshole. Mm -hmm. Like, Che sucks. Che?
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna call che the our po- like, podcast episode Che sucks. Okay, please.
1: First of all, Che's doing black scent on on the stage. Okay. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have to say. Okay. It's just like yeah. that's not that's not comedy. Right. Okay. So then when they're in a conversation with Miranda, being like, oh my god, like hold up. You aren't in an open relationship? Like I don't cheat, man. And it's like, but you do? And like, didn't you notice you were never at Miranda's house? Like, didn't you? you, Why didn't the writers have something in there where Che was like, if this is important for Che as a character to be the moral compass, to say to Miranda... You're not, like, with your husband, like, or you're open, right? And Miranda being like, yeah, 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 just finger blast me in the kitchen while Carrie's sleeping. You know, give, like... Give Miranda it, the
0: opportunity to, to lie. And yeah. then... Yeah. Yep, I see what you're saying. I, it just... I will say, like, your what? reenactment of Jay doing the scene does color it a different way for me. But I, that's not how I read it when I actually watched uh, Sarah Ramirez's portrayal. Uh, I do... I, I a little bit think that it was the interesting choice. But regardless, it does lead to what needed to happen, which is we finally get to this scene between Steve and Miranda where before I. Before we get I,
1: there.
0: OK. It's Sorry. a big one. So no, it's, we should we should finish before we get there because it's a big before one. Before
1: we get there, I think the more interesting choice would have been a time hop and the reveal that Miranda's in an open relationship instead of this hiding herself and then wanting to divorce Steve?
0: I definitely think there are way more interesting routes, and I don't think that this is the scene that I was hoping for that we then as inevitably get between Steve and Miranda. I have a lot of thoughts. First of all, I don't know what the actor was doing, but Steve's performance was blah. I thought that whole. It was slapstick. I was like, "Why are you making jokes? Why are we? Why are we trying to make?" Where's my hearing aid? Oh my gosh, it's in the couch. And then like there there were just so many, and he was like, and then
1: there was like three seconds of him looking in the couch, and it's like. I have to go, me, like I'm busy, Steve, hurry up. Stop making me
0: watch this. But I just, I didn't like that whole scene. I personally thought that the performance from Steve's perspective was not solid and didn't feel like it had the weight of all of those years of a relationship. And then on the other side, which I wanna hear your take on this, I found Miranda's argument, and I think this maybe was intentional on the part of the writers, wildly selfish the way they framed it. I mean, she was pointing at gorgeous things in her home that people don't have, being like, this isn't enough, I want more. And I was like, you're pointing at a television. You're pointing at your gorgeous fucking house. Like, you're you're talking about your son. Like, you're contrasted with another character who's <laughs> not in this episode <laughs> who can't even have kids at the moment and is struggling with IVF. And you are selfishly just saying, none of this is enough. And it, it just, I'm not saying that Miranda shouldn't want more, but the way they framed it I think intentionally was to make her come across as selfish and not in a, um, maybe not the hero of, of this, even though we clearly want her to rip this bandaid off.
1: Yeah. The way you just explained that to me, Phil made me see that scene in a different light. Did I just say back to what you said to me like five minutes earlier? Yes. We're, we're,
0: (laughs) we're changing minds.
1: I think. Okay. So Steve's reaction, him being a bumbling little idiot in the beginning, like, doesn't work. But I do think as the scene progressed, his justification of how Miranda has done this again and again and again made it so that his performance worked for me a little more.
0: I think he got there. I I really liked the argument of this is enough for me. And I, I, like you just said, I really liked that he calls her out on like the day-to-day being up and down and up and down. And then he was just happy that the last couple of years have been safe and normal and they can just come home yeah. and eat ice cream and not volatile. Whereas that was the thing that she hated about where their relationship got. Mm-hmm. That was the thing he loved about it. So I liked that contrast and I liked that point.
1: I thought that was beautiful. gave me the chills to just suddenly see, like we had only seen it from Miranda's perspective. And then suddenly we see that this like bucolic life makes Steve happy and he's content. And suddenly you see that it's more more of a character flaw, possibly with Miranda and just being maybe she's a narcissist too, like Che. Um, just being super selfish and everything never being enough. Cause it is funny you say that, like, even her child isn't enough for her. That's tough. Yeah. Like, oh gosh. she doesn't like. Brady,
0: <laughs> that's that. But we did a whole either, episode either. on that. No, yeah, or the girlfriend. But we even get. I mean, I, I one of my favorite lines that Steve has is he says, "I'm too old to rally for us again," and I liked mm-hmm. that because it it does it really puts the blame on Miranda. Though I don't think we got what I wanted, which was I wanted some anger or some passion or something from Steve. And I here's why I think all of this is on purpose is we'll talk about this, where this is going when she goes to Cleveland. But I don't think we have a Miranda happy ending about to happen. And I think, no. the I mean, yeah, I think they're painting it like clearly that this is going to be a disaster when she gets there. But I think part of that is allowing Miranda off the hook easier than she should. Uh, I mean, Miranda literally says, I'm in a rom-com, Carrie. Are you kidding me? You just minutes ago detailed your your divorce conversation, and she's just like elated. And I think this all rubs me the wrong way. I, I feel like we're setting getting set up for something not happy.
1: It felt manic, that phone call, mm-hmm. because what we witnessed, it was like that fast cut after sh- um, Miranda's like – yeah, so I met someone. Cut. We don't get to see Steve's reaction to Che, and right. we only see Miranda's perspective. Miranda's perspective Miranda. There's in the that car. Yeah, there it goes. <laughs> um, and she's like, Steve took it well, and he felt great about it. And we're like, wait, what? That can't be true. <laughs> like, yeah, that can't be true. And it almost. Did you see the Anthony Bourdain documentary? I did not. It's great, but it talks about like how he was kind of he was an addict, and he. When he stopped, when he got sober, he kind of used love as his addiction. Mm. And or that's what people in the documentary talk about. And it kind of feels like that with Miranda. Like she had this problem with alcohol and now she's kind of transferring it to the situation with Che.
0: Wow, Dara. I didn't think about that at all. But that makes total sense for many reasons. But for one is in that I felt very that it was very sudden that we Ended a storyline, right? We have the first couple episodes, a Miranda plus alcohol equals a problem storyline. Like this is like, we're going to explore this. And then just one episode, she just dumps all the liquor down the sink and we're like, we're done with this. This is the end of the storyline. But maybe to your point, that's not the end of the storyline. It just transferred her unhappiness onto another vice, which is perhaps saying I love you to somebody you've known a very little amount of time. Or maybe it's, I mean... Che brings up that they both have had sex a lot in the last three weeks. Maybe it's a—I don't want to say sex addiction, but just tran- addiction. But just transferring that energy and that sadness into some other vice. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, and all we know about. Che and Miranda's relationship because I really do not feel the connection between these two I could see how people might think that Che challenges Miranda because Miranda's such a strong character but I think why the like viewers and the viewership has always loved Steve even though he cheated on Miranda let's not forget that um I don't want to be sexist in that Miranda cheated on Steve and you know not talk about how Steve cheated on Miranda too but um with Steve and why the viewership loved him so much is that he was such a contrast to Miranda in how soft he was and how kind he was, not just blue collar and not just totally different, but like his personality and how he viewed the world was different. And then we see that on the couch. And that was honestly, it wasn't a perfect scene, but it was so much more compelling than anything with Miranda and Che, besides when they're having sex. And that's
0: got to be, if nothing else, that these two performers have this history together. They have been, you know, working together for decades now. And so they kind of get this like finale to their relationship on this couch. Again, I I don't think it was a perfect scene. This I did not, finale. En- yeah, I did not enjoy at least the first half of it. Uh, but I do think it needed to happen and we've been waiting for it, which leads to then this, obviously she's going to Cleveland and we don't, Think it's going to end well, right? Like, there's no way this no. ends well. There's just, I'd, why are you going to Cleveland?
1: I do appreciate that though about this storytelling. I like that we're going to see Miranda fail hard and face the consequences. I mean, maybe she won't, but
0: I hope she does. She better,
1: I, she better have pie in her face at the end of this.
0: I think that that's where this is going. I think there's going to be a. I mean, this is just a guess, but I think this is there's going to be a. I don't have Che and I don't have Steve, and I've I I maybe just. The lesson, perhaps, for my character is that I didn't appreciate what I had and I could have had some more. I didn't have to have none of my old life and all of a new life. I could have had the wonderful things from my old life and some wonderful new things. It's okay to want more, but I don't have to abandon everything. And I don't necessarily mean Steve. Sometimes a marriage doesn't work, you know, and sometimes you have to get out of a marriage. But it does seem Mm -hmm. like, like I thought one of the most painful parts of that scene, maybe in a good way... Was when Miranda does reveal that Shay exists, because to Steve and I know we immediately cut off. Uh, but because I, I think when she says I met someone, it's really jarring, because we don't get to only just see the dissolution of a marriage. It's like, and I'm going to move on, and you're just learning of this information, and it, it's an. Odd, but I think important story point. I don't even know what my point is. I just really liked that moment. I wish it didn't end. There's a double whammy. After. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like here's the dagger, and now I'm gonna twist this also.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna pour salt in the wound by telling you that like I hate dessert night. <laughs>
0: Poor <laughs> steam just so all he wants is a dessert night. I know
1: it's it's one thing for it to not be enough for Miranda, but for it to like for her to be like, and this sucks for you too, right? It has to, you idiot. Like it's like, yeah. oh god. Like I'm not saying that was bad writing. I'm saying it was good. Like ooh, Miranda sucks right now, <laughs> completely.
0: Well, we we rightfully gave Miranda lots of due and Carrie, of course. But before we go, we have to at least touch on some of this Charlotte nonsense. Am I wrong?
1: Well. Actually, before we go, I want to talk about some IRL parallels Please. Um, with Miranda and Steve, which I thought were interesting. So I think it came out this week, I saw in a New York Post article or something, that the actor David Eigenberg really suffers from uh, major hearing loss. And one of the first things that Michael Patrick King, the showrunner, talked to him about was um how he has hearing aids now. So they wrote that into the script. Um it's not just like uh, oh we're getting older. It's a real thing that was happening outside of the sex in the city. Sorry, the end just like that world. So I thought that was cool to show that on screen because it's very real. And then also Cynthia Nixon had a first marriage and then and had only dated men and then she fell in love with a woman and now identifies as queer. Um so it her storyline, I feel like, has to be influenced by her own story, in some ways.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I, I and I think it's interesting because we, as as the public, have kind of witnessed the, you know, uh, the coming out of of Cynthia Nixon, the actress, and you know, uh, seen it in a very public way. But to then get to see her go back and introduce these her own perhaps parallel journey into her character is really. It, it's a nice. Thing to be able to see. I mm-hmm. don't know. Not
1: saying there's so many parallels necessarily. No, of I'm course. sure. Yeah, but um, I, I think there's a lot probably from her to explore. You know, because she's kind of been there, done that a little.
0: Yeah, I like that. And this has been another segment of IRL parallels. I really like that. Thank um, you. So before we go, please can we just talk about Charlotte real quick? Uh, oh, Harry this,
1: let's Harry's talk about her a lot. Harry's
0: prosthetic. Uh, that was a jarring moment for me. I don't know if anybody else.
1: As as I wrote down, Phil, this was a cocky episode. Mm. We got not one, but two full frontal malnudity penile placements on our screens. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about why. I'm Terry Gross right now. I want to know why would we do that? I think it was a little bit of a fan service to show some D-I-C-K after we'd seen so many boobs. I think that's fair. I also
0: I think the fans want that. I don't know why we had to wait till episode eight. You know, I think we could have sprinkled it throughout the season, just my opinion. Yeah, but,
1: maybe they should have shown Big lying naked.
0: <laughs> hey, like that, see, we never saw Big naked. This would have been the the big reveal, perhaps, before his he kicked truly. the bucket. Um but well, we don't have to talk about Chris Nelson anymore.
1: Um I thought the the Charlotte blowjob scene. And storyline was actually very very funny. Really, I liked that yes.
0: scene, but then I didn't care about Lily and her thirst traps. But I liked the, I liked the scene with Harry in the bathroom. I thought that was really fun.
1: I liked that Charlotte like bang Lily's face with the door. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like
1: no, it, it also like I don't think it really made sense. Like I, I really. I do think that, like, if Charlotte told her 15-year-old daughter she was checking her husband's dick for cancer, like, like, I think that's funny and enough. And, like, I don't need to see that storyline go into Lily.
0: Yeah, I agree. We could have just kept it there.
1: But it did veer into Lily something about her self-confidence and what fashion does for her and thirst traps do for her. But, like, it wasn't really clear. And the bow on it was, like oh, Lily's more innocent than we think. Like, she is posing these sex, sexy pictures, but just for the girls and that little boy. And it's like...
0: You're right. And then also we get Charlotte who says, so you understand what I'm talking about. And, you know, Lily just at the end still thinks she's talking about cancer So and mm-hmm. doesn't think they're talking about blowjobs. And Charlotte doesn't correct her. And Charlotte just gives her hu- her that hug and lets her believe this false thing. Which again is just that reminder that Lily is still an innocent despite these workout outfit posts, which again, I don't care about, but we got.
1: I don't care about it all. That said, Phil, when I first moved to New York, I was babysitting a little girl. So sweet. Now, ten years later, I checked out her Instagram. <laughs> I don't even want to say anything else. It's okay. the the kids, they are doing this, okay?
0: So it's a real, surreal story. This is, the this is kids
1: are doing this. Ripped from the headlines. On their Finstas. Okay. This is real. Okay. So,
0: well, uh, they all think
1: they're Chloe Kardashian.
0: And they're not, you know, they're all, they're kids. Okay. But you know what? The kids are all right. Uh, as we learn. The kids at are the end right. of This, uh, this storyline with Charlotte. So, uh, to wrap things up, As we always do. Um, Do you have any and just like that we'd like to throw out there?
1: Of course, Phil. And just like that, R.I.P. Barney's Warehouse Sale. Mm. We loved you mucho.
0: And just like that, Charlotte still blows Harry, as confirmed 15 times by Miranda.
1: And just like that, is Ashley crazy or do we just not know her?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And just like that, Carrie and I are the same. She eats popcorn in $80,000 Versace, and I also eat popcorn.
1: And just like that, Phil, don't be such an (laughs) out-of-towner. That was such a...
0: Thank you for picking up on that. That was a great line. And just like that, Miranda is about to have a rom-com moment in Cleveland.
1: And just like that, Lily and the straw, no, mom, I'm not gross. I don't know what that meant, but I really liked it.
0: Yeah, so so anytime I need anything from a waiter, I should actually say, uh, it'd be gross if I asked him for it. I'm going to go get it myself.
1: Yeah, I work here now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and just like that, this has been another episode of our podcast, and you've got one more.
1: I have one more. And just like that, Carrie didn't mention her husband dying once.
0: <gasps> we did it. And just like that, we made a whole episode without Carrie talking about her dead husband. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Dara, and I can't wait to talk about the last two episodes when they come out next week and the week after. Chat soon.
1: Chat soon. Doo-doo-doo. Doo-doo-doo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. Thanks so
1: much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and leave us all those reviews. You can follow us on Instagram at shows or at PureWow. You can follow me at kDara.
0: And you can follow me at The Real Phil Mutz. and help us grow by sharing our podcast with your friends. We'll be back next week.
1: And just like that, a Sex in the City reboot podcast is a Pure Wow and Gallery Media Group production.